Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super-fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start than right now. So let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101. Joining me is a new friend of mine, Mr. Tom Nelson. Tom, how are you? I'm doing good, Dylan. Thank you. Before we dive in, let me just say thank you for coming on this morning. It is an honor to have you on. It's an honor to talk hunting with you, and uh, I'm excited to hear some fun stories. Uh, But before we start, give us a quick introduction to yourself, uh, everything you do, kind of where you got to where you're at, and, and so on. Oh, boy. I'll try not to make it too lengthy, but, you know, I've, I've been shooting a bow, honestly, my whole life. I, I received my first bow when I was around seven years old at, at Christmas time, and I've been shooting a bow all my life, pretty much, and been bow hunting since I was 14 years old. Um, I, I worked at uh, Anderson Archery through high school, and for the early years of my life, um, was sales manager there. Uh, I have countless stories, uh, archery pro shop stories I could tell. But that's really what got uh, drove that passion for archery and bow hunting that I have today was those many years spent behind the counter selling bows, setting up bows, and, and meeting famous archery celebrities. You know, I've met Fred Bear numerous times, and Jim Easton, Jim Doherty, M.R. James, and on and on and on. And, uh, you know, that, that really set me on the course that I am today. And then in 1997, uh, along with my partners, I started uh, the American Archer television show as seen on the Outdoor Channel. And that has enabled me to travel virtually in every state in the Union and Africa numerous times, New Zealand, Europe, uh, the Arctic. I've, I've bow hunted all over. Uh, um, and during that time, I've, I've served as a board of directors member for the Pope and Young Club, vice president of the Pope and Young Club. I sit on the board of directors for the Archery Hall of Fame. So I, I, I wear a lot of different hats in the archery industry, in the archery world, and, and, uh, and, and very honored and proud to, to serve and uh, to, to give back uh, as a steward to the sport that's given so much to me. Now, you actually had a pretty uh, a pretty. Not a, I don't I don't know if I could use the word close, but you actually had like a a working relationship with Fred, didn't you? I, I did, you know, and I look back on that, and and I have to tell you, one of my early jobs um, duties, let me say, when I worked at uh, the archery shop was, uh, and I was in high school at the time, I had my driver's license, but every Friday, especially during the busy season, you know, summer and fall. I would, whether I got out of school or I was on summer break, I would load up in the panel van that the archery shop had, and I would make the three-hour drive up to Grayling, Michigan, 
from our home base, and I would pick up bows that that were sold or ordered during the course of the week. Uh, did a lot of mail order at the time, but I would drive that van up, and we'd load it up with Super Kodiaks and Grizzlies, and you know, mostly recurves back in the the seventies there, and I. A numerous, more often than not, Fred was right there at, on the front lines, and he would, you know, talk to me when I was up there waiting for the order to be filled and loading the van. And on numerous occasions, and I could vividly remember in detail the times, you know, he would have me in sit, sitting in his office talking to him, and his in his office would had bows hanging and all kinds of different stuff, and sit there and he'd talk to me just like I was a long time, you know peer of his instead of a young teenage boy. And that, that really, you know, says a lot for the, the true gentleman, the true ambassador to our sport of archery and bow hunting that Fred Bear really was. To, because he would take that time, I was a nobody, yet he'd sit down and talk to me and ask how things were and we'd talk bow hunting. And man, he, mel- he made me feel, you know, like a million bucks when, when he would treat me like that. But he would be down at our store. He'd come down to the archery. He'd stop in. He was just just a true, like I said, a true gentleman. And he, and he probably had more influence than he ever knew as far as on my life and, and the, the path that I, I took after that. But yes, I have a lot of fond memories. I've been out to dinner with him. I mean, He's, uh, again, a true, true gentleman and pro- without question to me, the best ambassador, the biggest, the greatest ambassador to the sport of bow hunting that, that we ever had. You know, and you, you said that, you said uh, he probably had a bigger impact than he ever could have imagined on you. And I think that's true for probably a lot of people. I mean, obviously, I never got to meet Fred. I, um, what year did he die? 89? I was going to say 86, but right, right in that way, period, yeah. yeah. Either way, he died before I was born. So I, I never I never got to meet him, obviously, but he still impacts my life. Uh, yeah. he, I mean, he impacts my day-to-day work schedule, my day-to-day, you know. he impact, If you're an archer, Fred Bear impacts you. And, and it's Absolutely. Just, it, it's crazy to think that. Yeah, and every one of us who... who goes afield every fall or spring hunting, every one of us should should thank him because, he, sure, he made bows. He was a bow manufacturer. He was an inventor. But Fred truly was a conservationist and a huge promoter of the sport and introduced, perhaps, in my opinion, m- uh, more people to the sport of bow hunting than anybody through his early eight millimeter, you know, movies that he shot and put on VHS and such, uh, to the presentations he would do. I, I, on several occasions, I, I was at events where Fred was the guest speaker at the event, a dinner event, or even something as simple as the Michigan bow hunters, uh, convention in the spring, he would, he would attend. And he, as I said, was so passionate about the sport that he just, you know, inspired people to to take up a bow and arrow and and go afield with, you know, and take up the challenge. And uh, again, like I said, he he instilled that passion in me and and many, many, many others through everything that he did. And it wasn't like he was making millions of dollars doing it. You know, he he spent a lot of his own personal money, you know, to to drive the sport forward and promote it. And, uh, and again, like I said, every one of us who goes bow hunting should be thankful to him. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, before, before I move on, I do want to give a quick thank you to some of our friends over at the Pope and Young Club. Um, they've been a supporter of the show for, for, for a while, but 
beyond that, Fred Bear was a big supporter of Pope and Young. And that's exactly why, because he fought to protect our rights as bow hunters. And that's exactly what Pope and Young does. Um, if you're a bow hunter, you should absolutely be filled with with a sense of of joy to be a part of something like the Pope and Young Club, knowing and understanding that they are the voice for us as bow hunters. I fight alongside them and with them to promote bow hunting. Guys like Fred Bear, um, who are such believers in the club and and really one of the founding base members of the club. I mean, um, so so I, I just got to give yeah. a quick thank you to our friends over at Pope and Young for their continued support of the show. Uh, did you ever get to go on a hunt with Fred? I I did not. I just it just never never came came about. I, I, I that would have probably been. Um, a bucket list item for me if it, if it would have happened, but um, no, I I just never never had had the opportunity. But I do want to take a minute if 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 you would bear with me to tell you a quick little story about take Fred all the time Bear in the, the world. Okay, this this is uh, in regards to Fred Bear and the Pope and Young Club, uh, and it's a little known fact, but it is a fact that when in the early years of the Pope and Young Club, it, it had been you know, uh, founded and formed and, and, uh, they were measuring heads at the time, but they decided, uh, some of the early members, let's get together and have a convention. And so they wanted to get uh, as many members as they could around. So they were making these plans to have it in Chicago and the club, like any, um, organization in its infancy, just didn't have the capital or, you know, were really worried about putting on an event of this size uh, with the funds that they, well, didn't have at the time. So they were hoping enough people would show up and sign up, you know, for, for this little event to uh, offset the cost. But the club itself didn't have the money to do it. And Fred was such an advocate of having this that he stepped forward and said, I'll under it, I'll cover it. I'll write the check. You know, so that we know that we're, you know, the club isn't going to go under if we have this and it's a failure. So Fred was instrumental, personally instrumental in putting on the first, I'll call it convention because that's what we call it now, but the first Pope and Young get together of the members. And again, it's very questionable whether it even would have ever been pulled off had Fred not stepped up to the plate. So I, I just love that little story. And it's, uh, and it's a fact that mo uh, you know, a great many of us aren't aware of, but Fred did a lot of things behind the scenes like that. So, um, my, my hat's off to him again, because the Pope and Young Club, who knows where it'd be without the guy. So, yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, you know, speaking of that, the Pope and Young Club, uh, their biannual convention is coming up in April, um, which is just a, you'll be there, won't you? I, absolutely. I have, I've been to every one um, since Traverse City. I think that was 1993. Uh, I've been a member of the Pope and Young Club since 1977. So I'm kind of aging myself, but I was a young whippersnapper when I joined. <laughs> but um, it's, yes, the, I, I don't miss, I have not missed a convention since uh, I think it was 93. And I, I it, they're just great fun. I'm a big supporter of the organization. You know, and and if you don't mind me giving this little, my little two cents worth, you know, bow hunters are, for the most part, we're not noted as being joiners and, and stuff. A lot of us, you know, bow hunters are loners or because it's such a solitary one-on-one, -on -one, you know, sport. But 
you know, we, we have to be better at it. We, you know, and join your state bow hunting organization, join the Pope and Young Club, because, you know, uh, the old adage, if you're not helping, you're hurting the, the cause. And we all want to see bow hunting continue. We all want to see hunting, you know, our grandkids be able to have the opportunities that we have. And, and if you don't join and help protect the sport, you know, you, you're, you're hurting. I look at the just individuals that I personally have contact with locally that are bow hunters and such in, in my area. And what a small percentage of them are members of our state organization or the local art, their local archery club, you know, or the Pope and Young Club. So if I'm, I'm reaching out now to all the listeners, if you are not a supporting member of some organization, state or, or, or national, such as the Pope and Young Club, I, I implore you, please take the time, sign up, and join and be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Okay, I'm done with my preaching, but I, I just have to say that because I'm a big advocate for, you know, giving back to the sport. A hundred percent, and we should be. Uh, we absolutely should be because, uh, you know, a lot of people don't understand, but bow hunting seasons haven't always been there. And, and they're not always – they could be taken away from us tomorrow. Um, you know, I grew up, as as most of us did – there was your bow season, always has been. We grab our bow, we go hunting. But for some people, they grew up with the ability not being able to hunt. You know, my friend uh, Robbie Kroger, who I'm gonna, I want to have on pretty soon. You know, he grew up in a country where he couldn't hunt, and uh, and I'm just telling you, especially with everything going on in our country today, those rights can be taken from us, and uh, and we need to fight to support them. And it's guys like Pope and Young. Uh, who are doing that? I'm excited you'll be at convention. Uh, you're gonna break my you're gonna break my shot, my traditional. I'm trying to get into the recurve world, <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna yes. tear my shot apart and uh, and help me build it back up because uh, that's something I need to work on, man. You know, and I, I for one, I you know, I Dylan, I've always enjoyed you know helping others, whether it's at our local archery club or or if you and I get together at Pope and Young and fling some arrows. It's just, you know, I, I've been very blessed to have some great mentors in my life, especially at the early stages of uh, trying to figure out how to, how to, you know, tag a deer with my bow and, or how to, how to shoot correctly. And, and to this day, I, I still seek out help, you know, every once in a while. And as far as uh, my shooting, uh, I see an archery coach and, and it's amazing uh, how much having somebody else help you or watch you shoot and correct some of your errors will make you a better archer. I'm a, I'm a big, big believer in that. So it's, uh, it's, it's something important. So don't be afraid. You know, it's funny how, how many archers, and I'm, I'm, I don't mean to ramble, but so many archers out there don't like shooting in front of others. They'll shoot in their backyard, but they don't want to go to a, a, a archery range and shoot where others can see them when, in fact, putting yourself under that sort of pressure you know, of others watching you or you're shooting amongst your peers is, is great. You know, it, it, you think you got pressure shooting your bow up in front of others. How about when that buck of a lifetime walks in front of you, you know, just it, it'll, it'll help you when that moment of truth arrives. So I'm, again, have somebody watch you shoot, correct you. If your stance is wrong, you're, you've got a poor release, you're dropping your bow arm, all that sort of stuff. It'll make you a better archer. Well, yeah. And, and here's really the problem I'm, I'm facing with, learning to shoot a recurve in my infancy of bow hunting in general i was still in and and living at home so i had my dad who had bow hunted his whole life to be there to watch me and say hey don't drop that elbow you know all those mm -hmm. good things um or 
hey, I just noticed you didn't anchor at the same spot the last last two times. You know, to tell me those things. I don't have anybody here that's that's above me in recurve shooting. Um, so it's kind of just trial by fire and uh, makes it hard. Is there anywhere that you would tell us, uh, tell me, uh, has really good resources on on shooting form and and uh, building arrow? Because that's my biggest problem. I'm always worried. Am I going to the right place? You know what I mean. Uh, is this person reputable? Uh, am I, am I learning from somebody who is legit and and has a good understanding of it? Or am I learning from Joe Schmuck who, who is at the same place in his recurve (laughs) journey as I am? Um, so, so is there anywhere you'd recommend for, for somebody to go and, and digest that kind of information? Well, you know, that those are such valid points that you just brought up, because if you especially with, let's say, uh, shooting a, a recurve or a longbow, shooting traditional equipment instinctively. I mean, there's there's archers out there that hardly have to practice. I mean, just naturals, just, you know, they pick up a bow and you, you know, haven't shot in, in a week and you watch them pound that the center out of that 3d target and you go geez oh pete how can that guy do it but a lot of a lot of people are just naturals at it just like throwing a baseball or whatever and then there's others and, and i put myself in this category where man I, i've got to practice and i've got to pick up that i can't just put down my bow um and and then pick it back up two weeks later and go bow hunting i mean i i i have to practice and uh and i do but you know as far as i i, I highly suggest you know getting um, have a certified coach look at you if you have one at your archery range because you it's easy to go out and have one guy say oh you, you're doing this or you got to cant your bow more or you got to do this or your release is poor and the next guy go no no that's that's wrong this is how I do it so <laughs> you can you can get a lot of bad advice up there out there and pick up bad habits so get somebody that's I want to use the the term qualified that that's been there and really does know his, his stuff and, and there's so many good videos and good stuff even out there on 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 youtube and such as far as archery instructional stuff and my you know um you know g fred asbell has has written a a, um, a couple books on instinctive shooting that really are 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 great great books to read and, and good instructional pieces so again the info's out there but just you know word word of caution be be careful if it's just your you know, another buddy at the archery club trying to tell you, this is how I do it. And you should too. That's not always correct. And, you know, poor shooting habits are tough to break. So I know you just mentioned something that reminded me of of a hilarious story. I was videoing a project with, uh, Harv Ebers and he said, do you shoot one of these and held up a recurve? I said, yes, sir. I'm actually just learning. And, uh, he said, well, who's teaching you? And I said, well, my, my friend Jim Willems um, really kind of got me started with form. And, and uh, you know, we spent a day together of him showing me stuff. And he looked at me and he says, you tell Jim that I know more about shooting a recurve and my little pinky than him and Fred Asbell have forgotten in their whole life. And I said, okay, I'll tell him. <laughs> I can hear Harv saying that to you right now. And, and you know what? And, yeah. and I can't, I can't say anything because he's probably stating fact. I, I've been told he's a, I've been told he's a, he's a stud, but I, uh, I want to make the journey. He's only about 
four hours from me. Uh, and so I think what I'm going to do is take, take the journey up and, and take my recurve and, and just have him teach me, show me, uh, and just, man, I'm a huge proponent of finding somebody who's more knowledgeable than you finding somebody who, who you can learn from and don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, and so that's what I want to do. I want to drive up and spend the day just, uh, learning and, and understanding how to be better at what I'm trying to do. Um, and I do want to video all that for for you guys out there listening. I've had a lot of guys, um, because this is something that, you know, I, I've said on the podcast several times that I'm trying to get into, I'm trying to learn. And I've had several guys email me, text me, call me and say, Hey man, I myself, uh, this year want to try to shoot my first animal with a recurve. And so I think there's a lot of guys out there, uh, you know, traditional archery is making a comeback and i think there's a lot of guys out there looking for good solid advice and good solid mentorship and so that's what i want to do with with harv and and just put it out there for the world to see um so you can learn from him too because he is a traditional genius from what i hear so um that's the goal that's the plan yeah i i like it that that makes good 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 sense i want to bring up something you just mentioned too you you talked about um um, video and, and what, you know, with everybody with their cell phones today, have, whether it's your wife or kid or your buddy, take the time some and, and have them just shoot a little video of you shooting your bow. And I'm throwing this out to all the listeners and then review it yourself afterwards and look at it and go, oh my God, sometimes you'd be surprised at what you're doing, you, little things you might be doing wrong that you don't even know until you watch yourself uh, you know, ac- actually shooting. And, and I, I, I had this happen to myself a couple of years ago. Um, of course, a lot, all of the hunts that I do, uh, most of them are on video for the TV show and stuff, but I'm reviewing in the edit suite, some footage we shot and I'm looking and I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that. You know, I'm punching the trigger. I'm doing this. And I, I, I was just beside myself looking at looking at myself doing it and I'm critiquing it and I'm like that's terrible and uh so I went you know immediately I'm practicing again and and concentrating on my mistakes and correcting them and I had no idea I was doing this till I I actually saw myself and and I'm like I know better than that how did I develop this habit and and such so again a little little uh, hint there as far as uh, a, a way of being a better archer. Um, take your cell phone, have somebody video you and, and review it and, and see how your shooting is, how your release is, are you dropping your bow arm, et cetera. It's a, it's a great little uh, teaching device. I Absolutely. I would just, and I would even encourage you to send it to somebody. Um, send it to somebody who you know is going to give you sound, solid advice. For instance, I might go out and shoot and send it over to Tom and say, hey, how's my shot look? But be careful about going to a public place like Facebook and saying, how's my shot? Because <laughs> just yes. like Tom mentioned a minute ago, you've got you've got a guy that'll say this, and then you've got a guy that'll say this, and then you've got and you'll have forty seven thousand different things that apparently you're doing horribly wrong and there's no way you should ever be shooting a bow. Um so be careful about going to a public platform like that because people are looking to just tear you down. Um, That's a and, fact. Very true. And it's it's ridiculous that people don't want to just actually give you advice to see you succeed. Um, they just want to tear you down. So be careful uh, about posting out to a public place saying, how's my form? Uh, but 
don't be afraid to send it to somebody who you know will give you sound, solid advice, even if they laugh a little bit. I might send Tom a, a video of my my shooting my recurve and him say, oh, Lord, have mercy. You ain't even nowhere close, bud. Uh, but at least I'll get advice, um, which which brings me into my night. I do need to give a quick thank you to our friends over at Selway Archery. You ever use a Selway quiver? I, I haven't, but I'm familiar with them, yes. They are absolutely phenomenal um so go check out selway archery um for for all of your for all of your traditional quiver needs um they're making me right now they're sending me a a custom made hunting 101 quiver and i am absolutely excited by it i uh i'm a i'm a lime green guy and you know he's gonna he's gonna make the stitching on the leather lime green and and put the logo on there it's gonna be really cool but but uh go check out selway archery um, especially if you want something like that made custom quivers, they also have some awesome, awesome bear archery branded quivers, um, which is what I'm currently shooting. And I have loved that quiver. Um, so go check out Selway archery, Tom, I got to ask you, I ask every one of my guests to share with me a field note, something they've learned over the years. Um, just a quick little tip that I can take and remember and hold on to and pull it out when I need it. Um, Give me a quick tip you've learned over the years, and uh, let's make it traditional archery related. I usually don't give give people uh, topics for the field note, but I just feel I need to with you, man. So, so what's a field note you've learned over the years related to traditional archery? To traditional archery, you know, right right off the bat, it, it comes to mind is, and this is something I in my seminars I preach and. And I'll, I'll share with the, the viewers, but I, I think if I give one tip, it's to know what your your effective range is, your kill range, and not be influenced by the size of antlers or the animal out there. When I say that, I mean, you know what? He's farther than I feel comfortable shooting, but I, you know, I got to take that shot. Restrict yourself to your Again, I call it effective kill range and that range, whether it's 15 yards or 25 yards, whatever it may be, restrict your shots at live game to within that range. Don't be influenced, like I said, and think, man, maybe I can get an arrow out there and such. Be a responsible and ethical hunter. And if you do that and you know what your range is and what your capabilities are with your equipment, you'll be a more successful bow hunter. And, and you also won't be disappointed if you did it the other way and took a longer shot and had some sort of mishap. So, again, my, my little tip, my word of advice would be, again, know what your range is, know what you're good at as far as shooting a consistent group and restrict your shooting when a field to within that range. Now, when you're – this might be a stupid question, but that's what I, I like to ask the stupid questions – if you're going to be a strict instinctive shooter, because that's what I, I'm I'm trying to do. Um, I will say this though: growing up a compound shooter, um, gap shooting does make more sense to me because I'm used to having pins. I'm used to having 20, mm-hmm. 30, 40 yard pins. So gap shooting does make more sense to me. But I really want to just try to keep it simple. And, and just go out and shoot and enjoy it. And so I, I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can to be an instinctive shooter. Um, and if you are an instinctive shooter, you don't actually know the... Ra- like, 
you don't know, okay, if it's 17 yards and in, I'm going to shoot it. You just, you know, when the deer walks by, you think, oh, that's, that's a little too far. That's out of my range. You know, you, you don't yes. actually have that range that you range and say, oh, no, he's 19. I said, I wouldn't shoot anything inside 17. Yep. Is that correct? That, that, that's, yes. You know, that, very true. Because, you know, when, when you're shooting instinctive, you don't, like, as you mentioned, you don't well go, I'd say that's just a hair under 20. And then you make your shot. You know, you draw back. You look, and, and it's so hard to explain instinctive shooting. I mean, it really, really is. And it's a lot easier to show, but even even that can be difficult. But again, y- yeah, you you know, but visually, like when I'm out hunting, if, you know, a deer's within range, I know it. I, uh, I can make that shot. You know, I'm like t- telling myself, yes, that's a shot I can do. Or, oh, that's, you know, if I have to, if I question, if I hesitate, it probably is best that I pass up the shot. But. Again, like I said, a lot of times you're just influenced by, you know, there he is that, you know, maybe that's the only shot I'm going to get. Maybe I can make that shot. Well, that animal deserves more than, you know, a maybe chance. You know, if you, if in question, I just flat don't. I mean, I've, I've been bow hunting for over 40 years, almost 45 years now. And I, I quickly, you know, if I, I, I never take shots that I, I don't think I can make if I, I just don't, it's not worth, you know, the, the negative outcome. So again, I, I'm, I'm a big, big proponent of taking ethical shots and shots that you know, you can make. I heard a cool quote, uh, that kind of goes exactly into what you're saying. Um, and don't ever let, as you begin your, your traditional journey, don't ever let yourself say, well, if I had my compound, because mm-hmm. you didn't have your compound. You're not hunting with your compound. Well, it's easy to say, well, if I saw a deer at 300 yards, I'd say, well, if I had my rifle. So so don't don't start playing that game of, well, if I had my compound, I could have shot him uh, because then you're going to end up <laughs> taking your compound next time. And, uh, and so, so, so you got to understand, I'm not hunting with my compound. Yeah. I'm hunting with my stick bow. And, and you have to realize as a bow hunter that, you know, this is a this is a sport that was made to be up close and personal. It was never meant to be a long range sport. And and I I'm a big advocate of of taking, you know, up close and personal shots and not shots that are in another zip code away. And I, I really get upset when I read articles or see something on YouTube or on television where a guy's taking a long range shot. And it's just like I mean, I cringe oftentimes when I see them. And it, it, it's it's just not what this sport was made out to be. So uh, if you're a, if you're a bow hunter, you know, you should realize that and appreciate the fact that it's all about getting within that that zone of of your adversary, you know, getting up close and personal. And that's what it, to me that's what it's all about. I'd re- I mean, I'd much rather have a shot at 5 yards than than, you know, 15 and 25. I mean, I, you can't put them too close to me. And I get great satisfaction out of telling somebody, you know what, I shot that buck at 12 yards or whatever, you know, that's to me, the big coup is getting up close and personal like that. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's, that's part of the, well, let me ask you this. Do you have a, what is your effective range with a recurve? About 25. And I know I throw that 20. Yeah. That's uh, if I were to say, yeah. And I, and to be quite honest with you, I off my head can't remember the last time I shot a deer over twenty yards. With uh, well, most, I recurve. think they say I can't. 
and I, I would have to I would have to go back and look. Um, so don't misquote me on this, but I think they say something along the lines of like eighty percent of Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett's are shot at seventeen yards and, and under. Yes, that's a fact. Which is just yep. insane. Because we go out, you know, with my compound, obviously not with my recurve. You know, with my compound, I go out and practice at 60, 70, 80 yards. And in all reality, I'm getting ready for a 17-yard shot. I mean, the buck I shot this year was at, was at 20 yards on the money. Um, yep. But I spent all summer long shooting at 80, <laughs> 80 yards. Um, which, I, I will say this, Cameron Haynes, um, it, I don't know if somebody else said it before him, but... Cameron Haynes always said, just practice double what you plan on shooting an animal. So if you're going on an elk hunt and you say, you know, I'll shoot an elk at 40 yards, practice at 80. If you're going on a deer hunt and you're saying, oh, I'll shoot a deer at 20 yards, practice at 40. If you're going on a hog hunt and you're like, dude, I'll sling an arrow at, at 60 yards, you need to practice at 120. Um, practice double what you want to shoot the animal at. So I do like that advice. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it makes those, you know, if you're practicing at 40 yards all the time, a 20 yard shot becomes elementary, you know, becomes mu much easier. But yeah, I, and I, and I, I, I adhere to that a, a lot as far as practicing. I'll, I'll practice at longer distances, but you know, as far as I do have, again, restrictions as far as yardage that I'll shoot and, and, uh, but it does, I, I agree with, uh, that within reason that, uh, you know, you're taking practicing at longer distance because it amplifies any sort of mistake and such. So you can uh, really tell what, you know, if you're dropping your arm or, or having a poor release, it just, it's amplified at farther yardage. So great. It is a good practice technique. Yeah. Um, what do you recommend? So, so if your effective uh, range is 25 and in with your recurve, do you practice any further than that? Or do you kind of just, you know, practice inside that mm. range? Not, you know, I, I really don't with, with a recurve. I usually practice the, um, that range and under, I, I, I practice a lot at 10 yards, a lot, probably most, probably nine, not 90, but 75% of the arrows I shoot when I step outside and practice are, are 10 yards. Just, I get up close and concentrate and practice. And I, I worry more about my form and such than, than I do, um, you know, accuracy. I get up there, try to have a smooth release, a smooth draw, and and just concentrate on 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 that. I'll I'll even at times get up there and something I I do not often, but every once in a while I'll I'll get close enough where I know I won't miss my target, and I'll draw back with my eyes closed and 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 shoot into it and just practice. You know, think about my release and and my anchor point and such, and and not even care where I hit the target. So. I, I do a lot of that, yeah. and I, I also do a lot of one arrow practicing, especially before I go out hunting in, in, in the morning or evening. I'll step out. I got a target that I have to walk right by when I'm hunting here on our place, and and uh, I'll, I'll have a practice arrow, and I'll shoot one arrow and say, this is it. This is my one opportunity I'm going to get, and really concentrate on that shot. No warming up, no practicing beforehand, one shot, and Wherever it goes, it goes, and and uh, I just like to put that extra pressure on myself, just like I'd have if I were under real hunting conditions, and and shoot instead of you know shooting twenty arrows to warm up and correcting myself, or if I start shooting too many arrows and my arrows go astray, trying to you know correct it, and then oftentimes you end up shooting <laughs> worse and and get discouraged when you hang your bow up. So again, 
diff, just different practice techniques, you know, single arrow practice, you know, have your bow laying around where you can grab it or walk by it, have it hanging in the garage, shoot one arrow, go put it away an hour later. If you're outside, grab it again, shoot another arrow. But that's, that's a good way of practicing and putting extra pressure on yourself. Yeah, I, uh, that's one of my biggest problems is I find myself shooting too long. Um, and it's more magnified when I'm practicing with my recurve. But, you know, Absolutely. after 10, 15, 20 arrows, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm spraying arrows everywhere. I can't, I can't hold. I can't shoot. I can't, I'm not hitting anything. So you're absolutely correct. Don't practice too long because that's when your bad habits start to form is when you're tired and, and your muscles are getting sore. And so you're absolutely correct. You know, another thing too, Dylan, is by having your bow accessible, hanging where you're walking past and such. I, I, I also like to grab it, draw it back two, three times every time. You know, even if I haven't got time to run out and shoot it, is, you know, to build those those muscles, you know, and muscle memory is is so important in archery. So just just drawing that bow back as often as you can, you know, uh, builds those muscles and and, uh, and makes you a better shot too. So even if you can't scurry outdoors and shoot it, I have a good, good, good friend of mine. And if you, <laughs> in his office, it's hilarious. He has, his bow is right there in his office and he'll be on the phone and he'll draw it back and stuff. It's just, he, he draws his bow. I don't know. I should ask him sometime how many times a day he figures he draws his bow, but it's more so in the, the late summer and fall, but it's, 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 it's kind of hilarious to walk in this nice office and see a, a bow laying next to his desk, but it's a, uh, it's kind of a, I, I kind of envy him at times. So I, I do that. I do that. I have a, I have a target in my office and, uh, what I did was I took a Sharpie and put the littlest, littlest black dot I could on my target. And, uh, and I'll, this is for my compound, but I'll pull my bow back and, uh, you know, I'm only standing at, you know, four yards and I'll just hold my pin on that black dot for as long as I can. And as soon as I start getting wobbly, I'll let down and I'll do it <laughs> again three, three times. Just hold my pin there. And that's a, that's a Levi Morgan deal. Um, uh, he shared that. Just pull back and draw and hold on your spot for as long as you can. And once your your pin starts floating and moving around and you're getting too tired, let it down. Take a few breaths. And, and you're, what you're doing is you're training yourself to understand, I don't always have to shoot. The trigger doesn't always have to be pulled. Um, but that's what I do. I try to do that. And like you said, late summer, early fall, uh, I try to do that every morning just three times. Uh, so it Great takes tip. five minutes. It takes five minutes uh, to just pull your bow back three times, hold it on that. And what, why I do the little dot is, you know, if, if I'm if you're at four yards and you're on one of your target dots that's three inches, you can hold it there forever without ever coming off the the dot. Um, even though your your shot's really actually breaking down and you're starting to 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 move around, but you don't notice it because you're you're so close on a big huge white dot. So I put a little bitty sharpie dot. Um, that way I just know I'm holding as solid as I can on that little dot. And, uh, and once, once I start moving around, I just let it down and, uh, don't shoot it. Don't. And, and, and I used to, it's, it's funny how much it works because used to, when I would try to, to practice that, I would end up shooting it. I'd be like, well, I'll just shoot it. Why not? I'm already here. And, uh, so I'd shoot the arrow. Um, and I'm like, well, that's not the point of the practice. So it's amazing how well it works because now it's, you know, now it's to the point where I never, never actually shoot the arrow. So, um, Send us off, Tom, with a, a super fun, a super fun hunting story you got for us. A super fun one. You know, I've been on on 
so many, but my most fun trips I do are when I get together with some of my buddies and we do a group hunt and, and I love doing group hunts a lot. So many of them that I go on, you know, I'm by myself or, you know, meeting new guys in camp, but the circle of friends, especially the, the guys that I have gravitated towards uh, the last uh, 20 years are all people I've met individuals in different camps across the U S and Canada. And, and we still get together and, and, uh, and, and make hunts. So some of my, my, best hunts ever are again with buddies, but I like bear hunting. And a lot of the reasons I do is because it's a social hunt. You're, you're in camp. You generally don't hunt mornings. We're usually at a venue where you're fishing and such. So I probably, probably enjoy those hunts more than any, anything that I do because of the camaraderie, the fishing, it's a leisure. It's, it's basically a bow hunting vacation. You sleep in in the morning. You sit around the bonfire at night, telling stories and such. So, so all that's a, a big part of it. So, where I'm going with this is one of here recently. We're on a, a, a remote bear hunt. We're we're camped on a an island, and it's accessible by boat. And we go out by boats to hunt in the morning. Well, one of the guys, and I'm not gonna got not gonna name him because some people will know who he is. That's that's in camp. He's. Uh, um, sharing it with us. And there's, I think, five of us, four, four, five, no, five of us in camp. Well, one evening we come in from bear hunting and we're, we're sitting around camp and we just gotten back and we hear this bow and everybody's in and our camp. And the one guy says, that's kind of odd. Somebody's out here because it's very remote area. Well, engine gets louder, the motor, and by gosh, the boat comes right up to our camp. And so we all walk down the to shore where it's a tent camp rat and guy pulls up and he goes, is Bill, and I'm just using a name, Bill here. And uh, the one, my buddy said, yeah, that's me. And he says, there's a, a, an emergency and you have to, you know, um, get back to the main lodge and, and call home. And so he kind of freaks out. We all are very worried. And so he loads up and off he goes. And we're like, oh, my gosh, I hope one of his family members didn't pass away or something serious. Like you all would think, you know, being in a camp like that, miles uh, uh, from home. Well, we all hit the hay early, early the next morning, um, just cracking daylight. I'm a super light sleeper, and I hear what I think. I said, gosh, that sounds like a motor. You know, it carries across the lake. And by gosh, here comes a boat coming across in the distance. And so I wake up my bunk mates and because we're thinking it's, you know, news of what's going on or, or this guy coming back to camp and sure as heck there he is in the front of the boat and they come motoring up and he gets out. We go, gosh, is everything okay? You know, what's going on? And he's all grumbly. Rah, rah, rah. We're like, what the heck? He goes, my wife, he said, the furnace went out and she didn't know how to start it. So she called up to camp, said, you know, that she had an emergency. So they came out and got him. He went in and, and Ed said, call my brother, have him come over and start it. He was so upset, but we all had the biggest <laughs> laugh out of that at his expense because of the logistics. You know, it was no, it's a long boat ride back to the main camp where he could you know, get on the radio telephone back to her and such. But she'd called him just to say that the furnace had went out and how do I start it? And uh, I still laugh about that it. We rib him to this day. Yeah, at the time it wasn't because we're all thinking, of, you know, the worst that something bad had happened. But um, I, I, I just can't imagine the poor guy. Though, like I said, he he kind of freaked out over the whole thing, and then uh, 
his wife had, had called for no other reason than the fact that the and it was just the pilot had went out on their furnace back home. So yeah, he still gets ripped about it today. Hilarious. Yeah, like I said, it wasn't at the time, but I'm I'm smiling now just recalling the event. So. But yeah, that's just one of many. I mean, I could think of a lot of se- really more. I have way more s- stories as far as serious things, injuries and stuff that have happened in camps than I, I do funny ones. But they've all been great. Everyone's been a memory, you know, and, and uh, I, 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 so, some of the best memories in my whole life have been memories shared in camp with others. So that's, uh, that bow hunting means more than just harvesting an animal. It's all those fantastic memories I've made. It absolutely does, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I, I can't thank you enough. It's always a pleasure to talk with you. Uh, before we go, I do want to give a one more quick shout out to our friends over at AmericanHunt.com. American Hunt is an Airbnb type platform being built um, that you can log on, Tom. You, you might get a kick out of this. This is really cool. If you're driving across the godforsaken state of Oklahoma and you decide, man, I'd like to hunt in the morning. Uh, but I don't have anywhere to hunt. You can log on and just put in Oklahoma deer on AmericanHunt.com and, and it'll pull up all of the properties that you can lease by the day. Um, so it gives you the opportunity to be able to hunt more properties, uh, properties you would have access to. Uh, you know, here in Kansas, uh, it hmm. can be hard to, to come across properties. And then the problem oh, yes. is you put so much money into one lease that that's the only place you get to hunt that year. Uh, but with places like American Hunt, where you can land lease by the day, it gives you the opportunity to be able to hunt more ground over the course of the year because you're not putting all of your money into one big lease. So go check out American Hunt, whether you've got land to list for lease. It gives you a good way to cash flow land if you're not hunting it. Um, uh, or you know, you know, I'm, I, I live out of state, so I'm only hunting this one week a year. It gives you a good way to cash flow your land throughout the year. Or even if you've got hunting land, you can list your ground to, for fishing or for camping or for ATV riding um, and then just not not list it during the fall month. So it gives you a really good way to, to uh, cash flow your land. Um, if you're an outfitter, uh, you can list your outfitting services on there. Just a really cool platform. So go check out AmericanHunt.com. Tom, again, thank you so much it. for coming on. I uh, I appreciate it, and I can't wait to, to see you at convention uh, so you can tell me how bad of a recurve shot I am. I doubt that'll happen, but I, I definitely <laughs> will look forward to visiting with you, Dylan. All right. Well, thank you so much, man, and uh, and I hope you have a great week. Thank you, sir. I appreciate, I appreciate the opportunity to be on today. Absolutely. And we'll, we'll definitely have to have you on again. Thank you. I look forward to it. 